The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. Uh, if you look at the Seahawks and you look what they've done with the 12s, the, the 12th man uh, situation, um, a similar situation I think will arise at Climate Pledge Arena where Kraken fans are going to develop an identity. John Forslund, Seattle Kraken broadcaster. How does that sound so far? <laughs> Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I hope it. Yeah. I hope it does to you, Will. I mean, uh, we'll find out soon enough, right? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, how are you liking Seattle so far? Because I know that you're quite new to the area, right? So, how has it been so far? I really like Seattle. I, I've been here for three weeks. I was here for ten days in July. This was a this was a different type of circumstance because of the pandemic. So I had never been to Seattle in my life. I was lucky enough to get interviewed for the job, and everything went through virtually uh, during the last season. And uh, now that I've been here, I've got a sense for the people, and I think that's the most important thing because as as a broadcaster, um, connecting with people is the most important thing. And you have to understand who they are. I think it's really important. I mean, you could just throw some stuff out there, but you get the fabric of an area. You understand the excitement that's brewing with this team. Uh, and now that we're a couple of days in the training camp, you can really feel it here. Yeah, definitely. I've never been to Seattle either, but I've wanted to check it out. In fact, I have an uncle that just moved uh, to Washington State, and he actually used to live in Raleigh. So I know you're familiar with Raleigh, too. Go well. It was almost twenty-five years in Raleigh, right? I better be familiar, right? I don't definitely. I I don't get lost when I go there. Um, But this is a great place. I I welcome you know you out here if you ever get the chance. Um, When the building is up and running, it's going to be one of the best, if not the best, facility. And I'm not just going to say in the NHL, the NBA. I I would think worldwide, uh, this building is sensational in terms of amenities, and it's all tricked up and everything. So it's going to be a lot of fun and a great opportunity here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how Seattle does, just like Vegas a few years ago already, more than a few years ago. So I'm really excited to see how it will play out in in Seattle. But uh, yeah, I kind of feel like even though, I mean, obviously you're a veteran broadcaster and you kind of already alluded to it, but I feel like you'll be kind of uh, familiar in this role of relating to a new fan base or kind of endearing yourself to a new fan base. So what challenges would you say may be ahead of you, but also what's really exciting you or even re-energizing or energizing you? Yeah, no, re-energizing is the right word. That's how I feel. This is my 31st training camp in the NHL, right? And I, and I feel like this is my very first one. So that's a good thing. The last couple of years were not, were not very good for me. Uh, the way things ended in Raleigh was, was not my choice. I, I, I really didn't see it coming. I didn't understand why. Um, the last year I worked strictly for NBC, which is nice. Uh, national work is nice. It's uh, good for your ego. It's good for exposure. But what you miss is the one-to-one contact with a fan base. And you're 100% right. Uh, what I'm going back to here is right in my wheelhouse. I've already been there in the late 90s, going to a new area and bringing the excitement of the NHL to a brand new place that really wasn't expecting it. Here they have been expecting it. Here it's a major city. Here it's a major sports city. So it's a little bit different than uh, what it was like when we brought the Hurricanes in from Hartford. Um, this is this is different here. But I think the 
difference will help. The difference will force the Kraken to be part of the uh, sports culture here. You know, you don't just get anything uh, handed to you. You have to earn the trust of your fans, put a good product on the ice and make sure that they get full value. And I think that's the, the mission for everyone in the organization. Yeah, definitely. I was curious too. Uh, I know you have a very close relationship with Ron Francis. So what part did he play in kind of helping you ultimately end out in Seattle? Well, the only thing that, that Ron did, because the way the structure is set up here uh, with the team, he's in charge of hockey operations and really doesn't cross over much into business. Uh, my line of work would be more on the business side. So Todd Lewicki, who's the CEO, was very instrumental in, in bringing me here, obviously hired me, right? So um, what Ron did was call me when everything broke down on July 1st, 2020. It was one of the first phone calls I got. And basically, Will, it was just asking me how I was and how my family was and how we were doing. And we were in a very good place at that time. So uh, what ended up happening was he said, I want you to talk with Todd, start a little bit of a dialogue. And I know you'll have some options, which was nice for him to say, but I really wasn't sure I was going to. Um, so and we ended up having this long five-month conversation. And then as we got in and around the holidays this past Christmas, they presented me with an offer. The offer was so great, I had to take it. And um, I'm really happy that I did. Yeah, and I know 2020 was already tough enough just with COVID alone. So I can only imagine what you were already thinking, feeling, trying to trying to figure out things. So I'm glad it all worked out, obviously. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not alone, right? Everybody's had a yeah. hard time in this pandemic. Everybody's life has changed somewhat, and in, in some cases significantly, right? And some people have lost loved ones, and and that's the ultimate uh, situation that, you know, you, you have to have sympathy for. In my circumstance, it was just job-related. But at the stage of my career and at my age and stature in the league, you know, I'd be lying to you if I, if I said that I didn't think I'd finish my career as a hurricane. You know, I figured I would finish my career in Raleigh. And if I ended up doing more and more national work, that would come with time. Um, but then everything changes. So I was fortunate that two teams had openings at that time, Tampa Bay and Seattle. They both offered me opportunities. I uh, turned down the Tampa Bay opportunity. It was a great chance. Um, it was earlier in the process and I wanted to focus on the next season nationally. And then the Seattle thing uh, came about. And again, it was such a great offer. There's no way I could turn it down. Yeah. It sounds really awesome too, to be part of an inaugural franchise like that. And you mentioned the NBCSN crew or NBCSN, obviously. So obviously it's kind of a new era in terms of the NHL and broadcasting or TV, but just talk about uh, maybe some of the relationships with NBC or just how the years were with that crew. That was great. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, Sam Flood, who's the executive producer, put a lot of trust in me. Uh, and I'll never be able to repay him for it. I think it was a great opportunity to foster my career, move it forward. Um, I'm hoping uh, if there's an opportunity for me in the upcoming Olympics with NBC, that I'll be involved in that. Time will tell. Um, but yeah, I've got nothing but great memories from that package. Uh, you know, the business end of it comes into play. Uh, we have two new uh, rights holders. One's an old one in ESPN. They've kind of come back all the way around. And uh, the folks at Turner Sports are kicking off a brand new situation. So um, that'll be good. That'll be good for the league to have a couple of uh, different uh, uh, rights holders covering the game different ways. I'm anxious to see what they do and uh, hopefully someday be part of that. 
And I was curious too, going back to last season, really the playoffs, what was it like calling games in the bubble? I think you were in yeah. the Toronto bubble, right? So what was that kind of like? Yeah, I was in the I was in the Toronto and Edmonton bubble. So I started in Toronto, then I went to Edmonton, did the conference finals and finished in Edmonton right through the Stanley Cup final. So um, that was a historic experience, a highlight of my career. But you know, Will, if you could have a... Um, a highlight and a low light at the same time. That's kind of the way it was. So it's a highlight to be involved in something like that, but 72 days away from home in almost isolation, except for your coworkers, wasn't easy. It wasn't easy on the players whatsoever. Um, and, and But anyway, that's what the league had to do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, obviously, uh, Golden Knights and Kraken will be, I would say, somewhat of a rivalry for sure. So how uh, how, do, how do you feel about that? Or I guess uh, maybe what's exciting you about that kind of matchup and maybe what the NHL is looking to do, even even with teams like maybe Vancouver or just those teams on the West Coast and Seattle kind of forging new rivalries? How do you, uh, I guess, think about those? Those matchups. Yeah, well, natural rivalries, right? The one with Vancouver, yep. they're only two hours north of here. It's like a, I think it's a 27 minute flight. So that's a natural geographic rival that's going to be great. And I think what will enhance it this year is the fact that both teams will legitimately be fighting for a playoff spot. Um, I think Vegas is a cut above everyone else in the Pacific Division. Then you have a bunch of teams who are going to be jockeying for two and three. The California teams, to be fair, kind of cycling out. They're kind of rebuilding all at the same time. They've been great teams for a long time, Anaheim, San Jose, and Los Angeles. But you never know. With young players and a couple of changes, especially with the Kings, they, they, they could be right in the mix. So every division you know, has tremendous parity in this league. This, this division is no different. But uh, the, the rivalries are going to be great. And I think what you'll see here is a fan rivalry, right? Uh, if you look at the Seahawks and you look what they've done with the 12s, the, the 12th man uh, situation, um, a similar situation I think will arise at Climate Pledge Arena where Kraken fans are going to develop an identity. Uh, my hope is that the Kraken are in a real good spot in March and April and are sniffing a playoff spot. Um, a lot of people are going to look at Vegas and say, hey, you guys should win the cup. That's the only way you're going to be better than Vegas in year one. And I guess based on what they did, that's true. Um, but you know what? I think that's a little bit unrealistic to put that kind of pressure on this team, but I'm expecting them to be in the playoffs. I, I think the Kraken on paper are good enough to make the playoffs and we'll see if I'm wrong or not. Yeah. It's really interesting because I was going to ask you what your um, kind of expectations were. So that's perfect. But uh, were you kind of, did you have any expectations based on, going into the expansion draft, what they might kind of do or uh, specific players they might go after? Or was it kind of up in the air even for you to think, like, I don't know what this team might look at in terms of who they would go after in the expansion draft or how their offseason would play out? Yeah, you know, because I know Ron so well, I, I kind of anticipated what he would do. I really divorced myself from trying to forecast names and trying to, you know, do it myself and all of that. I knew a couple of things. I knew that he would build from the goal out and I knew that every player he picked up would have tremendous character. And um, that's what he did. And I think he did it the right way when you and Grubauer, Philip Grubauer was a yeah. wild card. Yeah. I mean, no one saw that coming. I think this team would have been just fine to start with Chris Drieger and Vitek Vanacek. I think that would have been okay. Um, but when Grubauer becomes a free agent, 
Grubauer then picked Seattle, signed to a long-term deal. That was the home run of the summer as far as uh, free agency is concerned. And so it puts Seattle in a similar spot that Vegas was in when they had Flurry. You know, you, you have to have a great goalie if you're an expansion team. That's that's pretty obvious. And then when you look at the back end, you look at the defense, I think it's pretty solid and it's physical. And it, there's a lot of interesting pieces that he's put together there. So the point is with Dave Haxtall as the coach, a defense first philosophy, you're not going to get a ton of scoring. And that's where they're going to be a little bit weak and maybe down the middle until Yanni Gord gets healthy and gets back in the mix here. But I think they'll be in games and all you want to do is be in games and push it. And I rather have a team like this defensively first. I think that's how you do it. You build a, a foundation like a house and you don't do it the other way. If you want to get into, you know, helter skelter hockey, it's not going to play out over a long period of time. Um, this should work, should keep them in the neighborhood of each and every game. And then, uh, and then you see how the team comes together from a chemistry standpoint. And that's like the final piece. Have you had a chance to spend much time around the team or the players? Yeah, I know preseason's coming up yeah. here, I think Sunday for you guys, but have you got to kind of, I guess, meet a lot of the players and staff so far? Yeah, well, I, obviously I know all the staff and, and, and I've been in and around the team for a couple of days now. I've gotten to meet a couple of the guys that I didn't know. Like, for instance, I had a nice chat with Adam Larson over the years. I've, I've never really had a chance to meet Adam. I've watched him. Um, but after he left New Jersey and went out to Edmonton, uh, you kind of don't see him that much, right? So I didn't have the chance to cover him that much. So he's one of those guys. And there have been others too. Met, a met them all that were here for the expansion draft in July. I was here um, emceeing fan events for the team, you know, during that time period. So I got to meet some guys there. But as we hit the road this weekend, go to Spokane on Sunday, go to Edmonton and Calgary, uh, you start, that all starts to come together. And I usually like to take an approach at training camp as just a, an observer. I don't read much into it. I don't get in anybody's face too much. I don't really need to. I let it play out. I watch it closely. We're going to broadcast all the games, see how that goes. And then, you know, as we get closer to the season, the rest of it comes together. Yeah, it's got to be nice to know that it's going to be a pretty normal season compared to last year and traveling and everything. So I'm sure you're looking forward to that as well. Yeah, boy, that was that was hard. It was hard. But most importantly, to get fans back in buildings, right? Um, sports are nothing without fans. I mean, it, it was it was interesting when we when we had the pandemic at, at first we went into this lockdown and everybody missed sports and then they started to bring them back without the fans. And it was like, well, we're all in our houses. This will be good entertainment. But, uh, you know, I looked at like, I'm a big golf fan and baseball fan and those two sports are slow and without fans, it's hard. You know, uh, um, you could have the best golfers in the world, like at the Ryder cup this weekend and without the crowd, you might as well not even do it. You know, it's just a bunch of great guys out playing golf. It's not that exciting, but the crowd creates atmosphere. The crowd creates pressure. The crowd gives athletes an opportunity to excel and also seize up under pressure. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic that's in play. And now that we're getting back to normal college football, we see the way that is uh, major league baseball should have a great, you know, fall for the playoffs and hopefully, you know, for the NBA and the NHL, because they're indoors, it's a little bit more of a risk. Um, but with vaccination policies and all the security that's in place, we should be okay.
Yeah, definitely. You mentioned golf. I, I don't know if you could tell I'm wearing my Augusta uh, Masters hat from when I was in Augusta from, as an intern a few years ago. So have you been to any big golf? I know you play golf, right? But have you been to any big golf events? You no, know, not majors. I've never. I, well, actually, I've been, I've been to U.S. Open in Pinehurst many years ago. It'll be coming back, I think, in a couple of years to Pinehurst. So um, I live about an hour away from Pinehurst. That's the only major I've been in and around. And, uh, you know, Woods was in his real prime at that time. And we got to go to a practice round and see another round. But at the practice day, we followed Tiger around. And I never saw him hit a ball live. And uh, it's an amazing, at that time, it was absolutely amazing. It was just a different sound. You know, his ball coming off the club was like a cannon based, uh, you know, everybody else, at, you know, at that, at that time. So it was probably at least 10 years ago. But when we were in Hartford, I attended the, what was the GHO, is now the Travelers. Uh, went to that quite a bit. And on the uh, Champions Tour, the Seniors Tour, there is a stop in Raleigh, uh, the SAS uh, uh, tournament, which um, I've been to and uh, see some of the old guys who are um, my age now. So uh, that's right in my wheelhouse. At the time, they yeah. were older than me. But, Will, I've caught up to these dudes. <laughs> You're still young, though. You're still young at heart, okay. for sure. Good. I am. Uh, so Try to be. You are. Exactly. I Just a few more things, actually. So, um... I wanted to mention this. I know Carolina was named as the number one local NHL broadcast by fans in April 2020 and that article by The Athletic. So obviously, I know that was a big, I would think a big deal for you to kind of be uh, ranked up that highly for the broadcast team. So what, what did that mean to you? Uh, meant, meant a lot because you're right. It's a team. So it's not just whatever I do, but it's Trip Tracy with color. Um, and our production team, you know, very good producer, Jim Malia, director, Paul Hemming uh, at the time, who's now going to be the lead director for Turner Sports and their package. Um, we kind of put together a really good group there. And I was very happy because we, we came a long way in Raleigh and for fans to feel that way. And as you point out, I'm, I'm it's very kind of you to point that out. Uh, that was an in and out of market survey. So you would hope that in market, most of your fans, Islander fans, well, we have the best broadcast, Chicago fans, we have the best broadcast. That's the way it is, right? But this was taking into account people in the US and Canada who can watch games now because of the centerized packages and the way it's way different than when I was young. You know, you can't, you had to just live in an area and get a game. But now any game you want to see, if you if you spend the money and get the package, um, you can you can do it. So it's like watching uh, on any given night, 32 national broadcasts, you know, with respect to hockey. But that was a great, great accomplishment for all of us and very proud of it. I was also curious, Beak, since you were with NBC, I imagine you got to know probably guys like Doc Emmerich very well, or and of course, Eddie Olchek and amongst the others. But do you have any, like maybe a story that you could share about really any of them or well, something that might come to mind? Well, they're all great people. Ed Zoe's a great friend. I love working with Eddie. I think we have pretty good rapport. Brian Boucher is a great friend of mine. I was uh, lucky enough to break him in many years ago. His first game was in St. Louis. It was a L.A. Lewis game, and we did it, and that was the very first time he had done color. He had been a, a studio guy at the NHL Network and for NBC, and as you know, has morphed into a top analyst, so that's terrific. Um, Doc is a, a special guy for me. You know, um, I, I watched Doc closely when I was younger. I, I tried to pattern myself, not my style, but um, the way Doc handled himself as a pro, 
Um, I remember, and and when I came to the American Hockey League, you know, here in the American League, well, you do a variety of jobs. You don't just broadcast, right? And Doc was in Maine with the Maine Mariners. And not only was he an excellent radio announcer at the time, but he was a great PR man, too. So I tried to do both jobs equally well when I was in Springfield. I was there for seven years and took very seriously the PR aspect, the sales aspect of the job. You wear a lot of different hats to kind of justify your existence. But then as I matriculated onto the NHL, Doc was already there. I didn't really know Doc. I, I, I kind of uh, gave him a ton of respect. I was almost intimidated to even open up a conversation. But over time, he became very important in my life. Um, a sounding board, professional sounding board, um, very supportive. Uh, I can only tell you what it feels like when you do a game and the game's over and within seconds of the horn going off, you get a text from Doc Emmerich uh, letting you know what he thinks of your broadcast. Um, I, I can't even put it into words what it means. It's just, you know, you get very nice compliments from people, which you appreciate each and every one of them. But when it comes from somebody like that, it means a great deal. So he's given me a lot of advice over the years. Uh, I still talk to him. We miss him. Uh, I'm happy that he's happy. I'm happy that he's gone on to, as he says, the back nine. He's, uh, you know, moving on with his life and he's, he's healthy. And they're having, a, he and his wife, Joyce, are having a great, great life together. But we miss him. Hockey's not the same. The broadcasts are not the same. Uh, you don't replace a person like that because he, as large as he is, larger than life on the air, he really was a great, great uh, ambassador for the sport. And everyone knows how great he was within the game and how much respect he showed the players and coaches. That's the one thing I try to remember as I go around the league. Yeah, definitely. And I, I just love all the vocabulary you would have. You'd always have a yeah. word for something to, yeah. to describe the right play or really anything. Yeah. And, so it's really fun to and, listen to. Right. And the thing about him is, you know, he is, we all get influenced by people that we think we'd like to be like, or, you know, if you think they do a good job, it's called an influence, but you try not to be a copycat. And Doc had his own style. And that is for him. And, and that, to me, makes him iconic because he was able to do that. And so in broadcasting, we have a lot of cookie cutter people, a lot of people to me that are the same. And I like it when there's a little bit of a difference and you know that, ah, that's so and so. That's how they call the game, a man or a woman. You know, that's 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 what you get there. But the sameness and the um, that cookie cutter approach I'd like to see younger people get away from it possible, but uh, there's a lot of great young talent in broadcasting on the way up right now. And, uh, and it's, it's fun to watch. One of the last things I wanted to definitely ask you about. So you were amongst the broadca broadcasters for the 2019 playoff matchup between the blue jackets and the lightning. And one reason I bring that up is because I am a blue jackets fan. I write for their SB nation page. So I had to ask you about that experience. Of, yeah. Because, I mean, I'll tell you, going into that series, I was hoping for, the at the very least, the Jackets would win a game or two, yeah. let alone win the series. Yeah. So what was that like for you to experience that kind of an upset, uh, to be there, to witness that, to see uh, a big underdog in Columbus knock Tampa Bay out? Yeah. Uh, what was that? What was that like? It was tremendous. It, 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 it's funny because I remember the save in the second period of game one and you'll recall it, Bobrovsky comes up with, I think it was Kucherov, and he denies Kucherov on this unbelievable scoring chance. That would have made it 4 nothing, uh, game over. 
and you know they never would have come back and then they make this comeback and they win that game and then they take it to game two but I got to give you know I worked that series with Pierre Maguire and um, I got to give Pierre a ton of credit because we did game four and before the first commercial timeout you know he said on the air this is over Columbus will win this Tortorella did the best coaching job in that playoff series I've seen in a long time. And of course with John, there are people that like him, people that don't like him. You know, he's another one of these guys that really doesn't care what anybody thinks. And I applaud him for that. You know, I, he's again, his own guy, right? He's got his own style. John Tortorella has got his own coaching style and he had all the answers there. And I felt bad for John Cooper, who now has gone on to become an excellent, excellent coach with the championship pedigree, but they had to learn. And that's a perfect example. That's a life lesson, you know, as trite as it may sound corny, whatever you want to say, you know, when they say you got to learn, you got to lose first to learn how to win. You have to learn how to lose and, and teams go through that. And so Tampa Bay sat on that for a long time and that had a sting. You know, they were 62 wins. It was the best season anybody had had since the mid nineties. It was a record setting year. Everything was there, but it wasn't, they weren't good enough. They weren't ready to take the next step. And the next season they had to go out and get Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow formulate that third line with Yanni Gord. And that's why they won Stanley cup number one. And then they followed it up with Stanley cup number two. And uh, it's a great example for fans. Don't quit on your teams, especially if they're good. Look what's happened to Columbus. Columbus was trending in a great way. Now I, I it's hard to figure what they're doing. Um, it looks like they're going back in time a little bit, but they already went through a rebuild. Um, so I'm interested to see what, what they do because they do have a collection of, of some really good pieces, some good, some good young players, but that's the hardest thing in professional sports is patience as a fan base, you know, yep. uh, San Jose sharks over the years, you know, every year, close, 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 couldn't get it done. Made the final in 2016, weren't good enough. Um, but we're an elite team for a decade. You know, what do you want? You want to have misery and lose all the time, or you want to be in the mix every year? You know, you can't have everything. Only one team wins. But it's frustrating because fans get frustrated, and I can understand how that happens. But that, the, but Tampa Bay is an example of sticking with a group. Even, you know, you could have fired the coach after that. You could have blown up the nucleus, the leadership course. You said bad leaders here. We got to do something. But to their credit, they didn't do that. They they stood behind everybody, and look what happened. Yeah, and from Columbus's side, I'm really excited. I'm actually excited to see. Uh, I know it might be a tough year this year, but I am excited based on their draft and some of the prospects. I'm hoping that they finally have some centers. So hopefully uh, they'll be trending back up here shortly. But I'm excited to see how they rebound this year with guys like Line A and even getting Vorchak and yeah. Maybe having the goaltending crew uh, solidified now with Elvis as a uh, signing. So I'm looking forward to hockey season, though. And I know you are, too. Yeah, I can't wait. And the good news about any hockey season is that there's hope in 32 markets now, now that we have a 32nd team. Yeah. And and it's legitimate. Like, I, I don't know. I am not an avid fan of the NBA because of hockey. And I watch hockey every night. It's hard to follow another sport opposite it. But I don't think they have the same type of hope 
in every market. You know, the Sacramento think they're legitimately going to challenge the top team, Milwaukee, you know, for, for the championship. But in the NHL, you know what, there, there's, there's teams that will struggle, but anything's possible. You know, anything's really possible if you get on a good run and you get some confidence and if the 16 that make the playoffs, legitimately any one of those 16 can win the cup. Yeah, it's one of those sports where an eight seed can yeah. go all the way or a seven no. seed can make and a that's run. Good for, so. That's good for fans. That means there's hope. Yeah. You know, you want to you wanna spark interest, and that's how you do it. Definitely. Have you been to any Mariners or Seahawks games yet? I haven't been to the Seahawks, but I, in, uh, in July I went to my first Mariners game here. They played Oakland and a beautiful ballpark. Great, great scene over there. I watched the Seahawks this weekend. And I'll tell you what, even through the television, you can feel the emotion in that stadium. And hopefully that's going to happen with the Kraken. That's the belief that, you know, uh, the Kraken are going to get that kind of rapid support and the fans will take on an identity like that. Yeah, I think it will. And we'll definitely be finding out soon. Well, John, it was really awesome to have you on. I was super excited when you responded and you were ready to do this. So thanks again for coming on. My pleasure, Will. Good luck to you. And uh, anytime you want to talk during the season, I'm always here. That's awesome. Well, I hope you have a good weekend and uh, I'll, I'll see you on TV soon. All right. Take care, Will. Three, two, one, zero, zero.